Portions of the following program may be pre-recorded. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. There is a judgment greater than Anything you've ever known It won't be long Your life will pass by as a vapor And you will stand Before the judgment seat of God And every secret deed and thought Every wrinkle, every spot Will be in view Before the one who knows all things The Lord of Lord and King of Kings You know the one you never knew While you have breath You have a choice to make in life Turn away from your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come He is the shelter from the coming storm All creation shakes at the mention of his name He has power over life and death Every knee will bow and tongue confess Heaven and earth will proclaim That Jesus Christ is Lord To the glory of the Father Will you bow, will you surrender To His majesty He can save you from the might Of all your sin the fight in which he stands in perfect victory while you have breath you have a choice to make in life turn away from your sin and believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come He is a shelter from the coming storm 
while you have breath you have a choice to make in life Amen. turn away from all your sin and believe on the risen Christ you can find peace in him From the judgment that's to come He is a shelter From the coming storm He's the only shelter From the coming storm This morning, the sky is blue. Visibility is unlimited. The puffy white clouds in the sky. The cherries are in blossom. Spring is coming to Washington, D.C. It's a little cool, but that's okay. Spring is coming. It's a wonderful time of year. But this song that I play at the beginning of every one of our our messages, it's right. There is a great storm coming. We are beginning to see that storm in the great avalanches of snow and rain, and flooding, not just in California, but in many parts of our world. You're listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. I'm very sober. I'm very serious. There is a time of judgment that is coming upon this land. For God has finally said he is finished with America. And his judgment is going to come and utterly destroy this nation. America is incredibly evil. Murderous. Arrogant. Proud. Now, I don't like saying it. And I'm sure you don't like hearing it. But we're watching now as God strips America and will finally cause her to be naked before the nations and will cause her to be burned with fire. You see, at some point, we have to deal with reality. And the wrath of God is terrible. And we as a nation are under now the wrath of God. Let me read for you 2 Peter, the second chapter. I'll begin reading in verse 4. For if God spared not angels 
after having sinned, but he delivered them to chains of dense darkness, having held them captive in Tarsus, being kept for judgment. You understand those angels have now been in prison for more than 4,000 years in total darkness. These are powerful angelic beings who have been imprisoned in dense darkness in hell, waiting for the great day of God's wrath when he will mete out the punishment for all wickedness. Now, you know what I'm going to say intellectually, but I need it to be much more than just intellectual for you. I need it to be extremely personal for you. God is a God of righteousness, justice, wrath, mercy, loving kindness, slow to anger, patient, kind. Usually in America, we only talk about the love of God and the mercy of God. But we've missed it if we don't also speak very frankly and honestly about his wrath and his anger. Continuing in Second Peter, the second chapter. For God spared not angels after having sinned, but he delivered them to chains of dense darkness, having held them captive in Tarsus, being kept for judgment and spared not the ancient world, but preserved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, having brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly and the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, he condemned with destruction, having reduced them to ashes, having made them as an example of things coming to the ungodly. Then if we go to the book of of Romans, let me turn there very quickly for you. If we go to the book of Romans... Romans, the first chapter, verse 18. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. Verse 21, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal men and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over 
to the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. Or you look at the second chapter of Romans, verse 4, do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you toward repentance? But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant hearts, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. God will give to each person according to what he has done. There's no once saved, always saved. There's no imputed grace that covers our sin. Either sin is removed, forgiven, affamy, removed, or it remains with us. For those who are self-seeking, who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. What I'm trying to say to you today, God has a plan for your life. Most of you have followed the plan you had for your life, or you have just unconsciously gone along with the flow of life that God has given you, and you have corrupted it with your self-indulgence and your self-determination. You found a, a money machine that you could crank, and so you've cranked that money machine, but it's not where God wants you. It's not doing what God called you to do. It's just a way that you can survive and seemingly take care of yourself and your family, buy a new car, buy a house, go on vacation. But there's no divine power flowing in your life. You have taken it from God. You are a thief because you have taken your life from God and refused to follow his way. Well, pastor, I I don't know what God wants. That's the problem. We've been too far away from God to even know what he wants for us. And yet we are guilty before God. We are responsible. If you go with me, to the book of Numbers, Numbers, the 13th chapter. The men have just come back from exploring Cana land, and they have given their report. They've told the assembly that 
The people living in the land are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. They even saw the descendants of the giants there. The Amalekites are there, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites. These powerful nations all live there. Caleb finally speaks up and he silences the people before Moses and he says, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone with him said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. They said they they looked like grasshoppers in their own eyes. That night, all of the people of Israel raised their voices and wept aloud. Now, please, these are the people who were taken out of Egypt by the mighty miracles of God. These were the people who crossed the Red Sea on dry ground. These are the people who saw the rock split in two and the water gush out to give more than a million people and their livestock all the water they needed. These are the people who went to Mount Sinai and saw the glory of God. These are not ignorant people. These are people who who know who God is. They have seen him in action. They grumbled against Moses and Aaron. They said, if only we had been able to die in Egypt. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land now only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and our children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to turn around and go back to Egypt? We should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of this whole Israelite assembly. And they cried out to the Lord. Joshua, he said, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and he will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will swallow them up. The Lord is with us. Don't be afraid. That's when the assembly began to talk about stoning Moses and Aaron and Joshua, Caleb, to stone them to death. And suddenly the glory of God appeared at the tent of meeting at the tabernacle. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me in spite of all the miracles, the signs I've performed among them? Oh, my brother, my sister. They lived in a fantasy world. Moses intervened and asked the Lord to forgive them. And the Lord replied, okay, I'll forgive them. Nevertheless, 
As surely as I live and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, not one of those men who saw my glory and the miraculous signs I performed in Egypt and in the desert, but who disobeyed me and tested me ten times, not one of them will ever see the land I promised on oath to give their forefathers. No one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. Look, we're talking about a a congregation of more than a million people. He says, I will bring their descendants into the promised land. Turn back tomorrow, set out toward the desert, along the route to the Red Sea. How long will this wicked assembly grumble against me As surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very thing I heard you say. In this desert, your bodies will fall. Every one of you, 20 years old or more, who was counted in the census and who has grumbled against me, not one of you will enter the land I swore with an uplifted hand to make your home. Except Kayla and Joshua. You will suffer for your sins and know what it's like to have me against you. You will meet your end in the desert. The wrath of God is a terrible thing, and it's real. And you can make God very, very angry with you. And you can come to a point with God where he will finally say, okay, I pronounce judgment against you as an individual. You can fill that cup of wickedness, of disobedience, of rebellion, until finally there's no room left in your cup. And then the Lord pours your life out and you're finished. It's over. That's a terrifying reality. Very few people that I have met are clearly on the path the Lord has told them to take, doing what the Lord has told them to do. And I must confess, on this journey many times, I have thought, Well, God hasn't told me not to do this, and he hasn't told me to do it, but it would be in my best interest. So I think I'm going to do it. Only to be either warned by God or to go my own way and make God angry with me. And then face the consequences of God's anger. What I want you to hear is that you can make God very, very angry with you. Angry enough that he will take your life. There are others of you who are just going to continue and you're going to live a good life. Good in the sense of it's the American dream. 
and you're not going to face your judgment until you go before the throne of God at the end of time. And then he will cast you out into the, into the burning fire. I fear God. I tremble at his presence. Because so many times I have gone the wrong way. And I've hurt other people. And I've hurt the Lord. And then I've felt the whip of God on my back. The 12th chapter of Hebrews. Read it carefully. Now what's so startling about this story of the children of Israel is that when Moses finally came and told the people what was going to happen and the men responsible for spreading the bad report were struck down before the Lord. They just fell down and died. The only ones who survived that judgment was Joshua and Caleb. So Moses comes and he tells them, this is the judgment of God against you. And they begin to weep, bitterly weep. I want to tell you that bitterly weeping because of a judgment pronounced against you is not repentance, and it is not accepted before God as repentance. Repentance involves turning away from that wickedness, but it would appear here, the next morning, the people get up and they say, we have sinned. We're going to go up to the place the Lord has promised. But Moses said, why are you disobeying the Lord's command? So again, they're disobeying what God has said to them. He said, go back into the wilderness and you're going to die in that wilderness. And they're saying, oh, no, 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 no. We can go and do what God has told us to do. Look, you need to understand how real this is. There is no way possible for you, once the judgment has been spoken against you, you cannot turn from that judgment except by very honest repentance and pleading the blood of Jesus. And still you may face the painful consequences of that situation. I have seen men sin against the Lord. And then I've seen that man say, I'm wrong. I'm going to turn back to the Lord. But now I have to pay the consequences for my sin. So now they're paying the consequence for their sin and they're not doing God's will. They set their own consequences and say, that's God's judgment. No, it's not. It's your judgment on you and upon your family. 
It's not God. It's you. We need to understand and pray through and get a hold of this issue of the wrath of God. It's not going to help to ignore it. It's not going to help to pretend it's not there. The judgment of God is very real. They turn around, and Moses says, No, 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 don't do it, because the presence of the Lord will not go with you, and you will be defeated by your enemies. You have turned away from the Lord. He will not be with you. You will fall by the sword. Nevertheless, in their presumption, they went up toward the hill country. But Moses would not go with them, and he would not let them take the Ark of the Covenant with them into their camp. And the Amalekites and the Canaanites who lived in that hill country came down and attacked them and beat them down all the way to Hormoth. In other words, many of them died. I only know of one way to deal with the judgment of God. And that is to recognize the judgment of God against my sin and to utterly and totally and completely repent for that and plead the blood of Jesus over it and to stay humbly in the presence of God until he changes his mind about me. Until he decides that he's not going to destroy me. You can't, in the midst of God's judgment upon you, say, oh, I was wrong. I sinned against God. I shouldn't have done that. Now, I'm going to go do this. No, you're not. You'll die. I know of men who have basically destroyed their family that way. Oh, I I was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. And now I'm on my way to fix that. And I'll pay the consequences. No. Jesus paid the consequence for your sin on Calvary's tree. The question is, will you stop your foolish running? And will you go before God and recognize how angry he is because of what you have done, what you have said, how you have acted? And will you stay in that place and wait upon God until he says, okay? Now, here's your new assignment. The anger of God is bitter. And when God gets angry with a man or a woman, the only safe place for them is to get on their face before God and wait upon the Lord in humble-hearted repentance letting go of all pride and all arrogance and all hardness of heart and say, Lord, I'm going to wait before you until you accept me 
I'm going to wait on you, Lord. That's the anger of God. It can only be turned aside by the blood of Jesus. And when the anger of God is turned aside by the blood of Jesus, so also are the bitter consequences and a door of hope is opened for us in the valley of Achor. Where there was a heap of rocks, where a disobedient man and his family were stoned to death. It's a valley of death and judgment. And it's in that place that the blood of Jesus opens for us a door of hope. Now, what's terrifying to me is to recognize how exceedingly difficult it is for a man or woman who is an American to humble their hearts before Almighty God and wait upon him for his direction. Because the waiting can result in bankruptcy. The waiting can result in every kind of terrifying thing to happen in your life. But the only safe place is before Almighty God pleading his blood and asking him to open for you that door of hope. Otherwise, the wrath of God will rest upon you and will destroy you. I'm fascinated by this man, Peter, in the New Testament. In Acts, the ninth chapter, in Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha, translated meaning Dorcas, who was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. And Lydia, Lydda, was near Joppa. So when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged him, Please come at once. And Peter went to them. And when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room, and all the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and the other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was with them. Peter sent them all out of the room. He got down on his knees and he prayed. And then turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha or Dorcas, get up. She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand, and he helped her to her feet. Then he called the believers, the widows, and presented her to them alive. And this became known, and all over Joppa, 
Many people believed in the Lord, and Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. Do you understand who Peter was? He was a fisherman, not a healer, not an apostle. He was a fisherman. And the Lord had to take Peter and transition him from that place of being a fisherman, a businessman who would take his fish every day and deliver them over to Magdala where they would be processed He would be paid, and the fish would be sent to Rome. He was a businessman. But when when he came to Jesus, Jesus said, I'm going to make you into a fisher of men. Now, what if Peter had said, I don't want to be a fisher of men. I want to be a fisher of fish. What would have happened? We'd have never heard of Peter again. He would have denied his Lord. Peter was rebuked by Jesus in the most terrible way. Get behind me, Satan. You have in mind the things of men, not of God. Peter had to be transformed where he would now think only about the things of God, not the things of Peter. The wrath of God comes upon a man or a woman when all they think about is themselves and what they want, what they want to do, where they want to go. The wrath of God comes on that man or that woman. No, Peter got down on his knees and he prayed. And when he commanded Tabitha or Dorcas to get up, her eyes popped open. She's alive. Peter takes her by the hand, helps her off the couch where they had placed her when they washed her body. She was dead. He takes her by the hand. He helps her to her feet. And then he brings her to the the ones who love her. What does God want to do with your life? Right now, most of you are very much like America. God's wrath is upon you. And many of you don't even know that God's wrath is on you. Is God's wrath on you? Are you just doing what you think you're supposed to do to get along, going along to get along? Or have you gotten before God and seen his mercy? Do you realize that that Peter has the same calling that you and I have, and that is to be fishers of men, to build the kingdom of Jesus? But we have no power to do it. If Peter had gotten down and prayed, 
out of his pride and out of his past, he would have prayed for Tabitha, and nothing would have happened. Her eyes would have remained closed, but he now has a connection with the Lord Jesus in heaven. And he has the anointing of the Holy Spirit. He is under the blood covering of Jesus Christ. Almost everything you see today in the American church has been tarnished and corrupted by the evil desires of men and women's hearts. And out of that, we've made our traditions and we've made our rituals. We've made our church calendars. But we're powerless. A form of godliness with no power. We're at a point in time when great repentance is required. A great humbling of our hearts before Almighty God is required. The Lord may take you out of a fishing boat and put you in a whole nother place. And finally, you'll face the crucifixion that Peter had to face. But now you are connected to the one who is in heaven by the name of Jesus, and he will direct your steps. I beg of you, reconsider what you are doing and ask the question, am I doing what God has told me I'm to do? Do you have a word of God for what you're doing? If you don't, you need to get that word of God. And you need to go before him, not like the children of Israel saying, well, I, you know, I've got to work. I've got to make money. I guess I'd better just go up after those Amalekites and try to do battle and try to earn some money and try to take care of business. You'll die in the process. And you will miss heaven. The wrath of God is very real, and some of you have been storing up the wrath of God year after year after year because you have refused to humble your heart before him and search after his heart to find out what your purpose in life is. Peter stayed in Joppa. And, and roomed with Simon the Tanner. He was there at the command of Jesus. And finally, in chapter 10, Cornelius hears about him and sends for him to please come. And a whole room full of people are converted. Huh. He didn't do friendship evangelism. He waited upon the Lord. 
And he did exactly what the Lord told him to do. And he went to exactly the place the Lord told him to do. We each have those things that we believe are right. And they may have been right at some point. But now Jesus wants to change them. He may want to change your assignment. He he may want to do something new in your life. I'm tired of the so-called prophets saying, Oh, God wants to prosper you. God wants to do these wonderful things for you. He wants to make you rich. (laughs) I don't read that in the scriptures. In the scriptures, I read that we're headed for crucifixion, for death, to live eternally with Jesus. And he has assignments for us on the way. And as we listen to his Holy Spirit, we allow him to direct us for where he wants us to go, when he wants us to go there. The Lord opens the windows of heaven and begins to pour out a blessing for us. A blessing of service. A blessing of oneness with Jesus. I am I'm terrified by the wrath of God. Oh Lord, I come today. I speak this word and it goes across this city and on YouTube across this nation. Lord, it's not a word that men and women want to hear today. We're much more like the children of Israel who just want to die or want to go up and capture the Amalekites, but certainly not to obey you. Lord, the pride of our heart is so great. Lord, I'm terrified. And I see that it's too late for America, that you are finished with America, that you will draw out of America a remnant of godly people who will submit and surrender to you. But as a nation, you've already passed judgment and said it will be destroyed. The bloodshed the carnage, the arrogance, the utter wickedness that is springing up, the destruction of our banking system by our government, the destruction of our nation is right before our eyes, whether we have eyes to see it or not. But our denial of it will not stop it from being torn piece by piece and cast down to hell. 
I see that we are at the breaking point in this nation. And that you are hated in the halls of power in America. That there is no longer respect or love for you, Jesus, in America, in the government, in the courts, in the halls of Congress, and particularly in the White House that has become the sin house. Lord, none of us want to hear things like this because we want to hear that things are getting better and better and we're going to be blessed and everything's going to be fine. But you've said in your word, no. Mystery Babylon will be burned and utterly destroyed. And America is Mystery Babylon, a whore. Almighty God, would you save from this nation a holy remnant of people who will lay their lives down for you, Jesus, who will live righteous lives, who will turn away from all sin, who will seek your face, who will hunger and thirst after you, Jesus. Please, Lord, have your way. I thank you for all that you have given America. I thank you for the countless acts of compassion and kindness that you've shown us. And Lord, we have treated you in such an ugly, ungodly manner. Selfishness, sexual immorality, murder, trafficking of children, abortions by the thousands upon thousands until our whole nation is soaked in the blood of children. The arrogance. I will go my own way and I will not listen to a word of rebuke and I won't listen to a to a preacher who talks about the wrath of God. Instead, I'll laugh and turn my face away and go about my business. Oh, Lord, have mercy on your people and turn the heart of every person who loves you to a place of humble repentance and granting unto us righteousness In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. I love you. I know God loves you. And I know the only safe place for us right now is before the throne of God on our faces pleading the blood of Jesus and asking him to direct our steps for where we should go and what we should do.
That's where I am. I'll continue doing this radio broadcast as he moves in the hearts of his people to give. But I know he wants to do more than just a radio broadcast. I know he wants to call people into a place of absolute, total repentance and holiness. I don't trust the will of man. I don't trust the imaginations of false prophets. I trust the word of the Lord. I trust Jesus. Well, we're just about out of time for this broadcast. And and again, I want to say how grateful I am to those of you who have obeyed the word of the Lord to your heart and have given. This is, again, not listener-supported radio. This is Jesus-supported radio. And the Holy Spirit comes and moves in your hearts. And he convicts you of what you should give for this work of the gospel. I thank I thank you for being obedient. You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Or you can go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. You can give online live there. That's nationalprayerchapel.com. God bless you, my brother, my sister. Seek the face of Jesus. I'll talk to you soon.